0: Hello everyone and welcome to A Cast of Kings, an unofficial podcast about the HBO original series Game of Thrones. I'm David Chen and I haven't read most of the books in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire.
1: I'm Joanna Robinson and I've read every book in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire.
0: And welcome to the show. Joanna, it has been a really long time since we've done Cast of Kings, hasn't it? It's been a little longer than usual. They took a little bit of extra time this year uh, to film the show, right?
1: It's been so much time that when you started the intro, I was like, oh, wait, is this how our intro
0: <laughs> You've forgotten how the I intro forgo- sounds I forgot about the
1: the I forgot about the most that is now in the intro. Yeah, that's, you right, know? that's
0: right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, well, uh, welcome back to the podcast. You can find more of our episodes at GameOfThronesPodcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at A Cast of Kings. And also, you can email us at uh, acastofkings at gmail.com. Uh, and we are going to be coming back this season to recap the newest season of Game of Thrones. A lot of people have been asking, what's going on with Cas of Kings? What's going on with Game of Thrones? Uh, we are back. We're going to be here. Uh, we're going to be recapping uh, Game of Thrones every single week for Season 7 of the show. Uh, and not only are we going to be doing Season 7 of Game of Thrones, but uh, we actually were just at Con of Thrones, uh, the first ever Game of Thrones convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Joanna and I were honored to be invited. Well, Joanna was honored to be asked to help organize the event. Uh, And we both attended. Joanna hosted a ton of panels. I hosted a couple of them with her. And it was a lot of fun. Was it not, Joanna?
1: Oh, my God. It was so much fun.
0: It was an honor to uh just be part of the show and to see all the fandom, uh, all the cosplay, uh and just like good vibes all around, I thought, right? Like it was it was surprisingly upbeat and friendly for a show that's about uh killing and raping, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I think I walked away with just a really, really good impression of this fandom, which I've already grown to love via our podcast, via our email feedback, via our Twitter feedback. But to meet everyone in person, um, all, the, all the fans that were there, I, I just felt like my heart overfloweth all weekend. It was so it was so charming. So thank you to everyone who came up to us. Um, a big hello to the people. I heard from a few people later that they were too shy to come up to us. So big hello to those people. I mean, you
0: are an extremely intimidating person. Person, I
1: Robinson, so,
0: uh, but um, Speaking of which, we got to meet for the first time. So that was exciting as yes. well. A lot of people don't know that Joanna and I had never met in person until a couple weeks ago at Con of Thrones. So that I know. was very exciting as
1: well. And now you regret everything, right? You're like, I.
0: <laughs> After meeting her, I decided I should not be in business with this person. No, but it's, it's a testament to how uh, electric our chemistry is. Uh, That we were able to sustain the podcast off sheer force of will without ever having interacted in person. Uh, But it was was a delight to meet Joanna. A couple of other things I want to mention before we get going with what is going to happen on today's episode. Firstly, uh, there were many highlights of the show. One of them was we got a chance to see the Manimals perform live. Uh, yes. And that was amazing. The Manimals, by the way, also the band that introduced this episode of the podcast. You can find more of their work at manimals.band. That's manimals.band. You spell that just animals with an M dot band. Uh, Joanna, talk a little bit more about who the Manimals are.
1: Oh, my God. The Manimals are an amazing group of – they're out of NYC, New York. They are sort of like a – would you call them like glam rock punk is sort of how I would try to define them and something that I've encountered with sort of nerd geek – music in the past is that some of the lyrics can be really clever but the songs themselves are not songs I would necessarily listen to just you know if they didn't have anything to do with the fandom that I was interested in but um, the Manimals released an album last year called Seven which is a Game of Thrones concept album where each track is told from the perspective of a character from Game of Thrones and I am not kidding you when I tell you that I have jammed this album so much over the last year and I would listen to to it even if it were not about Game of Thrones. But one of the fun things about the album is that Haley Bowery, who's the, the front woman for, for the album and, uh, uh, incidentally, a listener of the show and a big Game of Thrones uh, nerd, I guess I would call her, is that she puts in not only show references but a lot of like really subtle and, and interesting book references, too. So this album has everything. It has credibility. It has music that's really good and if you've ever seen them perform live which i really suggest you do just the whole band brings it in terms of their look their costume change their energy uh we got to see them uh in concert and even though i was already a huge fan dave was this this is kind of like your intro to the Animals, is that right
0: yes and i was uh, very impressed with them uh i uh, read a write-up of them at theverge.com um which you can read about con of thrones there's also write-ups at Vanity Fair, and SlashFilm.com. Uh, but The Verge wrote, The Manimals, a New York City party rock band self-described as a mix of David Bowie, Joan Jett, the New York Dolls, the Yaya Yas, and Blondie, performed a Game of Thrones concept album called Seven while its lead singer, Haley Bowery, went through half a dozen costume changes, <laughs> licked an electric guitar, downed two bottles of beer, and introed a song about the Night's Watch by wandering off stage, muttering, I'm gonna go take the black real quick. <laughs> So that's a great summary of them, but uh, yeah. yeah, many uh, awesome things happen at the con. Uh, but before we talk about more of them, wanted to talk briefly about the podcast, then we can go back to the con. Uh, so, Castle Kings, as I mentioned, we're going to be. Uh, airing this season, recapping every episode. It's going to be a shorter season than usual, uh, just because there's not as many episodes as usual. Uh, but did want to mention that there will be no Kickstarter this year. A lot of people have said, How can I give you money? Uh, well, we are very fortunate to be ad supported this year. So if you want to support Cast of Kings, just support uh the people who have sponsored us this season, uh, and we'd really appreciate that. But uh, yeah, just wanted to let you guys know. That's what's going on with the show this season. Uh, and you can find all of our episodes at Game of Thrones podcast.com. Again, email us at a com. So, Joanna, a couple of other highlights from the Con of Thrones. Uh, one of them was Paula Fairfield, the sound designer of uh, Game of Thrones, came by, shared some insights about the show. And one of those insights was that uh, the final episode of Season 7 will be 84 minutes long and that they are, quote-unquote, considering making every episode of the final season feature mm-hmm. length. Uh, yeah. And I, I was in the panel when this happened. I tweeted it out. It was like the tweet heard around Game of Thrones fandom. I saw that tweet embedded in, like, 10 articles about this very news. Uh, but, yeah, that's crazy. You know, that's a uh, huge possibility that this could be uh a, an epic final season where every episode's a movie. I mean, the thing is basically like a every season's basically a 10-hour movie anyway, but they're just kind of possibly making it official. So we'll see. Uh Listen, that's gonna happen.
1: Dave Chan, if you don't want your tweets embedded in a bunch of articles, you shouldn't text them immediately to a writer for Vanity Fair. Um no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: I, I mean, what made I you know think you know what would <laughs> you think I didn't
1: want that?
2: <laughs>
0: Joanna, Joanna was the connector there, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome to be in that panel, to see her talk about designing the sound. Uh, and super cool just to hear her talk about the process of like every season she adds more animals to the dragon sounds because the dragons get older and larger every year. So she, she kind of adds on more animal sounds to the dragon sound. Um, and just little tidbits like that. Very entertaining, very uh, fascinating and just so fun to hear. Uh, But Joanna Robinson, the highlight of uh, the con for me personally, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that one of the highlights of my life as a pop culture podcaster, commentator, writer, was a panel we did called Ghosts of Westeros. And I was incredibly grateful to be asked to do this with Joanna Robinson uh and very honored uh to be part of this panel uh and we should say spoilers for game of thrones up to this point uh but joanna what did the uh, ghost of westeros cover
1: the ghost of westeros was uh the panel that you and i co-hosted uh, or moderated that um and that was by the way my first moderating gig ever so oh, that wow. was yeah that was me diving into the deep end <laughs> <laughs> because we had like I think multiple thousands of people in the audience something like that and uh, seven actors from the show including Carrie Ingram who plays Shireen Kate Dickey who played Lysa Aaron uh UN Rand did I do it right? pretty
0: pretty close yeah <laughs>
1: played Ramsey Bolton, uh, Sam Coleman, who played young Hodor, Amy Richardson, who played the original Marcella. we had, and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. So it was seven seven actors uh, who all have died on Game of Thrones. So we get to talk to them about sort of their experience on the show, their experience dying. Um, they did a little bit of performing for us. They were, they were really good sports and it wound up being a really, really fun panel. I think everyone had a good time. So... That, of course, is always anyone's aim whenever they, they moderate a panel. So I'm glad I'm glad the actors were up for it. I'm glad the audience enjoyed themselves. And I think you and I had a good time, too.
0: Yeah, and just uh, want to thank everyone who came to the panel, uh, who asked questions to the panel. Uh, and it was a crazy experience because I just want to set the scene for you. This is in a massive ballroom that could probably hold, I'm guessing, 4,000 people, right? Mm-hmm. And we walked on the stage, and it just – a complete blackness in the audience. And you, but you could tell, you could see the silhouettes of people just stretch on forever. I mean, just <laughs> thousands of people. Uh, and it was very nerve-wracking as we got started, because you know I've done things like that. I've done panels in front of large groups of people, but I think this is the largest group of people I've ever done a panel in front of. So uh, at the beginning of the audio, there's a little bit of like uh, nervousness you might hear. But then I think we settle into a groove. Uh, And so what we are doing here today on this podcast, we are presenting you the audio from that panel uh, with Mm -hmm. all those amazing actors who played all these iconic characters on the show. And last of all, I do want to thank uh, the folks at Con of Thrones for uh, allowing us to do this panel, for providing us the audio for this panel. Um, Super awesome, uh, super grateful to them for doing that. And again, you can find uh, details about that show at conofthrones.com. I'd say it was a very successful first year, and I'm hoping that next year uh, will be even bigger uh, and... Uh, invite even more people into the Game of Thrones fandom from out there. So, uh, without further ado, here is the audio from our Ghost of Westeros panel at Con of Thrones 2017.
1: Hello, hello. I have a mic for a reason. Hello. Hello, everyone.
0: Uh, my name is David Chen, and I host uh, a cast of Kings with my co-host here.
1: I'm Joanna Robinson.
0: And welcome <laughs> to Ghosts of Westeros. Ooh. Uh, so, we are going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, Why don't we... Let's sit yeah, down, yeah, let's yeah. sit down. Let's uh, make ourselves comfortable. We're going to have a lot of fun today talking with uh, actors on the show who have met brutal ends on Game of Thrones. Is there
1: any other kind on Game of Thrones? No
0: other kind. Um, but I should say, like, spoiler warning, like, you know, you're going to find out a bunch, uh, about a bunch of deaths today. So, uh, I'd like to uh, introduce our esteemed actors uh, for today. You may have seen him. In shows such as Misfits He's going to be in the upcoming Inhumans He also met his end In season 6, episode 9, The Battle of the Bastards Please welcome to the stage The man who played Ramsay Bolton Ewan Rayan Hello
1: You may have seen her In The Witch or Prometheus. She met her grizzly end in season four, episode seven, Mockingbird, as Lysa Aaron Kate Dickey.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I'm not doing this stool. I fall (laughs) off. He has appeared in films such as Brazil, Shadowlands, and Mr. Turner. He was killed in Season 6, Episode 10, The Winds of Winter. Please welcome the man who played Mace Terrell, Roger Ashton Griffiths, to the stage.
2: I'm not going to the stool either.
3: <laughs> We're scared to <of> the stools. <laughs>
1: She recently appeared in Storyland and My Mother and Other Strangers. She died, her character died, season five, episode 10. But she lives on in our hearts, the original Princess Marcella, Amy Richardson. He
0: played Bud in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre prequel, Leatherface, and he was killed in season six, episode five, The Door. He is the man who played young Hodor. Please welcome Sam Coleman to the stage. (laughs)
1: You may have seen her on stage as Matilda and Matilda the Musical, or you may have seen her in Wolf Hall. She was sadly roasted in uh, season five, episode nine, The Dance of Dragons. Please welcome Sheree Marathia and Carrie
0: He has appeared in movies such as The Danish Girl and Star Wars The Force Awakens. He was killed in Season 1, Episode 8, The Pointy End. Please welcome the man who played Serial Pharrell to the stage, Miltos oh, I, I, So,
4: So, I get the stool, excellent. <laughs>
5: Now was, I'm going to look like a six-year-old.
6: Hello! <laughs> I was now, thinking that. I'm a, bit too, I'm a bit too small for this. <laughs> well,
5: I'm a bit too big, so let's...
1: <laughs> so, uh, I'm just right. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a rumor going around earlier that, that Miltos may not be able to join this panel, and I was wondering if it might be because you don't think Ciro Pharrell is a ghost of Westeros. No. Do you, is there anything you want to tell us about Alive or Dead, about the state of Serial Pharrell?
4: You're just staring up a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's
0: what you're doing.
1: You want to drop the mic on this at Con of Thrones? No. Okay. Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, to start with, it's, it can be a challenging and awkward thing to find out that your character is being killed uh, or is going to die. So can we each just go down the line and, and talk about like, how you found out, how you process the information, and how you approached uh, the scene where you passed away. Let's start with you, Anne.
7: Um, I found out, uh, I got a call from uh, Dan and Dave, and they said, congratulations, Ramsey gets to the Iron Throne. And I said, I'm dead, aren't I? And they were like, yeah, so, um, yeah. But, I mean, it, it, I can't say it was a surprise, to be honest. But, um, uh, yeah, but, and the death scene was quite an interesting one because... Um, yeah, I, I, don't know. I don't know if it was the last scene I did. I think. Oh, no, it was the last scene I did ever in the show, yeah. And, um, but there were no actual dogs really there when I was doing that scene. Cause it was all CGI and stuff, so yeah, it was,
0: it was all right. How did you uh, get in the mindset of pretending there were dogs there about to eat your face? <laughs>
7: I just had to imagine it, I guess. But, you know, it was, I thought it was a really well-constructed scene, and, um, and uh, it was, you know, Sophie was great in it as well. And, uh, yeah, so it was just kind of... You just have to be like, you know... But I've seen the dogs, and I know what they're like. And I wouldn't want one in my face.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. How about you, Sam?
5: Um, well, I didn't actually know Christian was going to die in his bit because they blacked out that part of my script because they don't, they don't trust me with secrets. Um, understandably so. Um, so I just, you know, I was just rolling around on the floor for a bit, shouting, Thor, oh, this is fun. And then... Uh, <laughs> Turns out rather sad, so sorry about that.
0: <laughs> Kate?
3: Um, well, I'd, I'd read the books up until Liza's death. I was just trying to get a hang in her background, so I knew that she died by the moon door, but I didn't know if they necessarily would feature that because there's so much in the book, so you don't know what's going to make it and what's not. So I was really pleased to get the death and uh, had a lot of fun because... We had the moon door and there was like a foot drop or something, a crash mat. And then so I filmed that and Aidan and Sophie were amazing. I had Sophie gripped by the back of the neck for hours that day. And she was amazing. (laughs) And then about a week later, I went and did the kind of stunt. I'm terrified of heights. So they said, "Okay, we're going to strap you into harness and we're going to pull you up to the top of the ceiling and you're going to hang over. And, and die and then what they do is they re- reverse it and, and in the books Liza's death is silent there's no way I could be silent because I was so frightened so I just screamed my head off and then um, so that was quite fun just seeing how they were going to work that out um, so I was, I was just pleased to get to die and not just <laughs> not just have a boy some. in my
1: boobs forever you yeah. know <laughs> You, so you, you, you're you a dedicated book reader, Kate well, Dickey. Well,
3: I was until her death because I just wanted to know yeah. why she was like that. She was so unhinged that I had to work out what went on before. I stopped reading after the book so that I could just...
1: It all goes downhill after like, yeah. Lysair at
3: Um But
1: I, I was wondering, there was a surprising bit of sort of deep book nerd controversy around your death scene on the show because there were people who really wanted to hear only cat right before you and went down. Yeah, sister, I Yeah. Know. yeah. yeah. Did you, as a book reader yourself, you were like, what, what about this line here? No, no, I was too busy worrying about Eating and pushing <laughs>
3: Sophie. I didn't mind what he said at the end. It was... It was just as painful as whatever one. So I don't know if people I, I heard that people were outraged about his line. But, um,
1: we'll get outraged about anything Game of Thrones. It was fine yeah. for me.
3: It was
6: fine.
0: Uh, how about you, Carrie?
6: Um Well, I found out sort of halfway through filming season five. Um, so I got, a call, I got a call from David and Dan and they basically explained everything that was going on and how it was going to happen and then After that, it was just sort of waiting for the scripts, and then I was really excited. (laughs) I knew exactly what the reactions were going to be, and I was so excited
2: for it.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, Roger?
2: It's impossible to state too strongly the genius of David and Dan, from whom all good things in Game of Thrones stem. And not the least of it is that they find the time at the beginning of each season to phone all those people whose characters are going to die, and to let them you know. But it's, it's kind of it's polite. It's nothing else. And it's, it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, you go into the season knowing that you're going to die, but on the other, you're going to spend, what, two months filming, pretending that everything's just fine. Yeah, no, this is cool. I don't mind dying. No, it's all right. And of course you do mind, because it's such an extraordinarily happy family. The knowledge that you're going to be leaving, it is, 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 it's painful. But at the same time, no one ever enters the show thinking they are going to live for long. So there is a sense of inevitability about it all. Yeah. Miltus? Um, well,
4: I read the first book as well. So it was very clear or ambiguous exactly what happened to Syria and Pharrell. Um, and I remember when... Uh, so it was, it was, that was always like on the... On the as far as it was always on my radar, I understood that that was what the, the, the journey of that character was. But um, I remember because George R. R. Martin wrote uh, the pointy end, and I said to him, I said, "So you know, you're going to give me like a, a fantastic uh, death, like so I'm going to have you know blood and all that kind of stuff. At least get stabbed, right?" <laughs> And he went, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. He said, like, but this is like one of those eternal uh, questions yes. since the books came out. And he went, no, no, I, li- I like it ambiguous like that. So I was a bit disappointed because, of course, I, I have this fetish for, bi- for dying on stage and, uh, on, and on film. I, I kind of, I've always wanted to be riddled with pyrotechnics and... Um, little and just be riddled with bullets. It's, I don't. I can't explain it, but it's just something that if I achieve that, I can be happy as my well, my contribution d- as an actor.
0: Despite not getting riddled with bullets, it was still one of the most badass final sequences of any character on the show. So or
1: was it final? Or was it
0: final? Um, so. Uh, we got to address the elephant in the room here. Amy Richardson, you were not playing the character that you originated, Marcella, when that character met her horrible end.
8: Yeah, this is awkward.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's talk about, like, uh, you know, after uh, your your role was recast, uh, did you still watch the show? Did you watch your character's end? And how did you feel about that?
8: I'm going to level with you. I didn't watch it when it was happening because it Mm. was all still quite fresh. And I was like, I don't want to see this. Um, but I have since caught up on it all because I, w- I watched Carrie's um, death because I'm, you know, a good friend and I like to see my friends die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have since caught up on it, but no, I didn't originally watch it when it came out.
0: And did you feel like, oh, I wish that was my face like bleeding profusely on the screen? Or I
8: mean, I think that would, be, would have been an extremely fun thing to do. And I have often practiced at home bleeding from my face <laughs> with makeup and... So it would have been fun to try that out, yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, so we have a number of fun ways you went out on this panel. We've got eaten by dogs, a seizure slash getting tackled by whites, however you want to put it, uh, out the moon door, Burned by your dad, good times. Burned by wildfire, even better times. Maybe not dead at all. <laughs> and watching another actress bleed profusely from the nose. So I, I, I was wondering if uh, if you guys would be able to share a little bit of some of the technical aspect. You know, Katie, Kate talked already about the harness situation, but some of the technical aspects of your death. Like, there were no dogs there what do you, you know are you just screaming at tennis yeah. balls or is, what are do you doing is do you there do you? anything
0: actually scraping stuff off your face or is it just
7: no, all imagined nothing, yeah, all, yeah all imagined they wouldn't the dogs that, that we were using they, um, they're actually not like pet dogs was the first time we used them I went over and was like hello and they were like don't look at the dog in the eye don't like, oh, why why and, um, and uh, yeah so we weren't allowed to pet the dogs or anything I think that in one shot there's an actual dog behind me in one of the the sort of Cages or whatever, but um, yeah. But I was I was genuinely tied to the chair, um, which was which was quite uncomfortable, and I had loads of crap all over my face. Um,
0: How I, many uh, hours did you shoot for that one scene?
7: Uh, it must have been a good four or five hours, I think. Just yeah. like being tied to the chair. Yeah, obviously they, they didn't leave me there in between takes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But um, yeah, no, it was um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so they weren't... The dogs, I think there's a shot and there's a stunt guy or something and they've, they've actually put my face on his face or something because for insurance reasons, they couldn't have the dog in my face. Mm-hmm. Even though it was my last scene, I thought they might have just been like, yeah. <laughs> 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 Why not?
1: <laughs> um, Sam, you've got this... There's this great overhead shot for your final moments. Can you talk about sort of setting up that shot, how that went?
5: Um, yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say... I, I, by some sort of legal agreement, had to have a 20-minute discussion with the stunt guy about how to fall. Which, given I fall quite, quite often and it was a nice muddy ground, I didn't... It was an interesting one. He basically just went, so, so yeah, you just, just fall.
2: <laughs>
5: um, but yeah, the, the overhead shot, I was just, as I said, laying on the ground, rolling around, sh- shouting. Um, it wasn't in the script that I had to shout, hold the door. could have done it quietly, would have saved my voice. But uh, no, first take. I decided to shout, and then I lost my voice by the end. So that was great. <laughs> but yeah, the camera's on one of those um, like crane things that zooms in towards you and
8: to use the technical term.
0: Cra- yeah,
5: <laughs> crane thing.
0: Carrie, um, did you actually have any fire like in or like in your area around you? For oh yeah.
6: <laughs> There was minimal CGI involved. (laughs) (laughs) And minimal acting. (laughs) Um,
4: The screams are real.
6: Oh, yeah. So they had... um, So how they did it is they had sort of the fire maybe like a meter away from me and they kind of did like angles and stuff. And then... um, it was very windy that day because we were also down a quarry, so it was like all, like the wind was like you know all trapped and stuff. And they had big um, big fan machines going and like fake snow, which was paper, so it wasn't snow, all going on at once. And then the flame, I noticed. So as a as like a, a, a personal choice, I decided that at one point I was going to look at the flame, and I did. And as I looked, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> The the wind had blown the flame sort of about that far away from my dress, and I and um, so I was screaming. <laughs> Stop! No! <laughs> However, they just thought I was a really good actress. <laughs> it, it wasn't until after that shot that they decided to tell me that my costume was anti-flammable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, all of that, um, was, it, was, it, it was fine. I ended up having to have, like, a safety word if, if I was ever, like, uncomfortable with the flame and stuff. But other than that, it was all, it was all fine,
1: so- eventually. <laughs> Roger, you got to share your death with uh, basically most of House Terrell, an entire religious movement went up in flames. Uh, what, was the, what was the CG wildfire situation like?
2: That was a scene of two parts. It was a bit where we were alive. And it was a large scene, and large scenes take a lot of time to shoot. And we were being emotional, so we were being emotional for four, in fact, four days. We spent on that scene, and that was really quite tiring. But then when it came to the actual end bit, it's, I, we've got little feedback monitors here. If you imagine those as lights placed in a sort of circle in the middle of the set with green gels over them, and it was, it was that romantic. It was somebody pressed the button, the lights were green, and we all went, ah! <laughs> and, and as we were doing that, they faded us out in the edit and just replaced us with a flash of green. So it was kind of uninteresting. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's no, your dress nearly catching on fire, but uh, you know, it'll do.
2: <laughs>
0: and Miltos, any thoughts on your uh, your final scene? Any? Uh... You must never
4: underestimate how uh, the most simplest thing that you have to do is obviously the most complicated, and the most complicated. It all obviously uh, because they're so well planned, it kind of goes according to plan, but. The simple act of Ian Beattie snapping my sword became really problematic <laughs> every time because I'd have to hold it really tensely and he'd just whack with this proper, you know, metal sword and, and smack it. But I'd have to keep that tension and over and over again, he'd draw that sword and bring it down and every time he'd be like, ow, ow, Ian, what are you doing? My ligaments already had gone by that point, because that wooden sword was incredibly heavy. Um, but that, that was the, the thing I remember. My ligaments haven't been the same since.
7: Are we ruining the show for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your death like? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: uh, I have a question for uh, Sam Coleman, who played young Hodor. Uh, Obviously, the death of Hodor was one of the most powerful events of that season, and you played this character who uh people felt like they'd gotten to know, but like, you played a version of him that we hadn't really gotten to know right um because he was saying words of it in Hodor so can you tell us about like how you went about uh bringing in you know aspects of uh Christian's performance, but then also like what you felt like you brought to that role
5: well i I guess. Usually as an actor, you're, you get to create your character based on sort of the information you've got and you get to go through that process of, you know, who am I, what do I do? I had five seasons of absolutely stellar acting from Christian. So my job was to come in for two episodes and not mess that up. Um, so, I mean, and I, and I, I, I watched some of Christian's um, scenes and that and I sort of got the way he walks and that, but at the same time... I tried to sort of make my character a bit different because it was him pre the incident. So. Yeah. Uh,
0: let me ask uh, Un and Kate a question because I think you guys are the evil ones on the panel, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so. Excuse <I> th- me. <laughs> I was reading an interview uh, with uh, an actor for another show who like needs to play a, a bad guy, and they were saying like, uh, it, it's kind of it kind of sucks to, to play an asshole, you know? Like they don't enjoy getting into that kind of character. And so I was wondering for for you two, like, what is it like, you know, being kind of villainous characters on a show? Let's start with you, Matt.
7: Um, I don't know. I just approach it like any other role. I think uh, the thing is with Ramsey, um, because he was just so he had no moral compass whatsoever um, it, it was kind of weirdly liberating because he's so happy all the time and he's really enjoying himself so uh, it was actually quite a lot of fun and then obviously there are scenes that come up and you're like oh i really don't want to do that and uh, that's horrible uh, um but yeah in general i actually quite enjoyed it and, and because i i don't I, when i'm working i don't let it you know i don't bring it too far into me i like to go to the character and um So, yeah, I guess I don't let it get to me.
0: How about you,
3: Kate? I loved playing someone that people hated. I did. I just thought it it was... It it didn't bother me. You're not there for a kind of popularity show. You're there to do your job as best as you can and, and give the character the voice they deserve. And I really enjoyed Liza's lack of edit button, that she had no... Filters. I mean, she went from this to that to that. And as an actor, you're playing characters that are normally hiding their feelings. And Liza couldn't. So I had a lot of fun just being mental, basically. (laughs) But trying to make it truthful and not just a big pantomime show, you know? I loved people hating her because she kind of deserved it, you know? And... You just do your job. So, yeah, it's just like playing any other part, really. I just approached it like you as well. It's just another part.
1: We wanted to do a little uh, experiment here, a little pop quiz, uh, and see if you guys remembered your character's last words. Oh, my. And... (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! Whoa! Yeah, it's a thinker for Sam. It's a real thinker for Sam, yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a hard one. <laughs> 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 and if you if you do remember, if you wouldn't mind maybe performing them for us. So <laughs> starting with you, sir, do you remember?
7: I think word wise it was something like down. Yep. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. And then, ah!
0: <laughs> yeah. huh?
7: can, you, can you give
0: that to us again, the, the, the second part? Uh, ah!
1: No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Sam? It's hard to do when yeah.
7: there's no dogs. I mean, I just... The, <laughs> when I was shooting, the dogs were right in my face, so it made the scene much easier for me.
1: <laughs> Sam, I know this is a hard one. I know. Do you remember?
5: It was, was someone like, grab the window, or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. um, Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> can, can Can you guys help Help me out? What was What was What was my last? <laughs> yeah, that was it.
1: <laughs> Kate. Oh
3: God. Now I don't remember it, but I remember things like, you love her. I lied for you. I died for you. I can't remember now. Um. And then the. <laughs> Nailed it, nailed it. I need need the heights, I need the heights. (laughs) I remember, like, being, like, you're in love with her and you lie, lie, trying to, like, desperately cling on to him, basically. But, God, it's hard, actually, when you said that. I was like, oh, shit.
1: (laughs) Carrie?
6: Ooh, um... (laughs) Ah... Mother, no. Father. Ah!
1: That was word for word. <laughs> Rogers, yours is a little difficult because your actual final words did not come in your well, death scene. I
2: can tell you what my last line was, but it didn't make the edit. Yes. And it was a moment between Natalie and me where she says, we've got to stay here, we can't just, just be cool. And I turn to her and I say, but they are mad men. But it got cut. When when you die of wildfire, you don't have time to scream. (laughs) But in fact, there was a moment not long before it where I arrived at a point of distress so great that I exclaimed. And it was something like... that
1: was it, out. <laughs> Miltos?
4: Um, it was a while ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I think it was um, the first sword of Bravos does not
1: run. <laughs> <laughs> However, the look on your face tells me that it's wrong. Close, so close. I think that was like your second to last line. Oh, was you're, it? Was you're, it go? You're, well, go is the last word you say but before that you say... What, do, what you do we say, say to, to the God, God, of God of death? How could I have that?
4: <laughs> right, that's it. I'm going. <laughs> Thanks very much, Nashville.
1: And Amy, do you want to perform Marcella's death as it should have been with you? I think that's a bit brutal. <laughs> all right, we can skip that. I know, but I, just, yeah,
8: I don't even remember my Axel last line. I just, because in my last scene I wasn't speaking, I was just crying on a boat.
1: Yeah, you were crying so, on a boat. Yeah,
8: yeah. So I just, just weeping. Yeah. yeah. There you Which go. Which was appropriate, you know? <laughs> I think you two
1: should act out all our deaths. Guys. Yes. Please. Generally, it's something like, ah! <laughs> that, that's yeah. something like, Uh
0: Yeah, I think you guys would do our jobs a lot better than we could do your jobs. <laughs> so let's just acknowledge that okay. up front, and, and we'll go from there. All right, so uh, I think we are going to have audience questions. Um, so there are
1: microphones down there's, somewhere?
0: There's a microphone that is going to be set up. Yep, okay. So there's going to be a microphone. So while we're waiting for that to happen... Uh, we'll have time for a few questions. While we're waiting for that to happen, I thought we'd go down the line and talk about what's life been like after uh, your character died on Game of Thrones? What are you up to? What's it been like you know, getting recognized on the street for someone who's no longer in the show? Do people treat you differently now? That kind of thing. Ewan, you want to start with?
7: Um, I, I was very sad to leave, and I was very worried that I would never work. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I've just done a series called Inhumans, which is going to be on... Um, soon in September and um, yeah but it's kind of yeah it's a really sad thing to not be in anymore because if, when you're in something that's just so amazing and wonderful and you, you know every minute every scene you, you pick up the scenes and you read them like wow that's amazing and um, so yeah it's really sad to, to not be in it anymore because not everything's written as well as Game of Thrones unfortunately not, not talking about anything in particular like but um, you know uh, it's just because it's so good.
0: Yeah How about you Sam?
5: Well, I've become a lot more polite holding a lot more dolls for people um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I've got I've got a, the prequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface is coming out in October, so That's quite exciting Been doing a few more bits and bobs, you know Life
3: Okay. Um, well, I was kind of, I was, I, I was such a periphery character that I just came and went. Um, but I do a lot of independent movies, so I went and did The Witch. I did a... Thank
0: Awesome movie.
3: Thank I did a really strange movie called Couple in a Hole, which is about a couple living in a hole. <laughs> In the ground in France, so so I do odd, odd, obscure things that you probably never heard of, basically, Um, and filth, I did filth, so I've done various kind of strange little parts along the way. Are are you still watching
1: the show? Yeah,
3: well, I just caught up in season six before I came, like that. (laughs) because I miss, I was working a lot during four and five and kind of lost my way in that. And then I was just like, I need to go back and watch these because what the hell happened from that to that? So um, I'm looking forward to season seven and I'm really excited because I met Paula, the sound designer this weekend. And oh my goodness, I don't know if M D made her panel, but her stories about how she creates the sound for the show is fascinating And I heard little bits that I can't wait now to see season seven to see how this sound design works and stuff. So,
6: yeah, I'm looking forward to it a lot.
0: Yeah, great panel, yeah. Uh, How about you?
6: Um, Well, for me, Shireen was only meant to be a one-season appearance. So, I mean, to be still in it for three years is absolutely... It was just, you know, I was so grateful. So I wasn't too upset when it came to an end. I mean, obviously, you know, I was, but... It went on for a lot longer than it should have, so I was very grateful for that in the first place. Um, yes, yeah, since then, I mean, my, my Netflix show Free Range just come out. It came out on Thursday, so go watch season one of that, guys.
5: <laughs> <Yay>.
6: <laughs> Which is the complete opposite to Game of Thrones. It's, it's a children's TV show about horses. <laughs> 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 so it's a very, very different thing. Um, yeah.
2: How are you, Roger? Oh, bits and pieces. I did something in Taboo with uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, that was a bit game. It was a bit game of Thronesy because uh, Una Chaplin was in it and. Um... God, the name's
3: always. Oh, Dawn, I, oh, I have. <laughs> and you, you know that bloke
2: who played the high set to whatever he's called. <laughs> uh, but some bits and pieces. Also, I took the opportunity since it's finished to get my head down and complete my PhD.
1: Wow! Mil- Miltos, have you also completed a PhD since your time on Game of Thrones? Uh, no, slacker. What have you been doing?
4: No, I've been looking after my little dog. So that seems to be taking up most of my time. <laughs> a very small sausage dog. Um,
9: They're uh, the worst.
4: <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like usual, tarting your, your ass around, trying to get work and doing bits and pieces here and there. Uh, Shakespeare has always been my, my love, and that's the thing I go back to in the theatre. And, um, and also, I've, I've managed to garner a huge slate of jobs and parts that I've played that have constantly been cut. <laughs> it's like there was a little... Sp- period where it was like one job after another after I was like yeah this is it this is the end this so is when they tap you on the shoulder and go yeah mate nice <laughs> well done but uh but it's been you know being part of an ensemble like this you know Game of Thrones is always like it's 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 kind of the most exciting part of it coming and doing conventions and meeting people that you've never met before and and then also meeting up with <laughs> with old friends that to me is is that's what the family is i think that's the thing that will always kind of retain even after the show is over i think that's the the yeah. thing that is the most heart heartwarming and the thing that you'll always remember yeah. even if we never work again
8: I don't really know how to follow that. Um obviously it was a bit um different for me. Um and it was, you know, obviously it was heartbreaking very hard and everything, but for me it really did in a way it was kind of good that it happened to me at quite a young age because I saw how cutthroat the industry is and it showed me that I really do want to do this. It could have completely turned me off it, but it really just made me want to work harder and so I've been working in a BBC show which Fingers crossed I was going to go to a second series. It was out or It was out last year, um, and just other little bits. What, what's pieces. the name of the series? Just uh, my mother and other strangers, um, which was set in Northern Ireland. So I got to do my own accent for like the first time, which was really weird because <laughs> nobody knows what I'm saying half the time. I had um, that
3: problem as well.
8: <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I was in school. I just left school last year, so I finished my A levels, and it was yeah, just. But I mean, like you were saying, it was. Obviously, it was very hard leaving, because it was unplanned. Um, But I'm still very close to everyone in the show, and I know... I mean, like Kerry's one of my best friends in the world, and I have lots of very, very fond memories, and it's always going to be something that I'm very, very proud to be a part of, as I think everyone feels, you know? It's a real... It's something that's going to go down in history, and I'm very proud and privileged to be a part of it.
0: All right, we have time for a few audience questions. Uh, let's start.
9: Hi, my name's Daisy, and you all have given so much of yourselves to us. And I just wanted to take a minute. I wish I could give back to you all you have given to us. And I am so grateful for you. Game of Thrones is so important in my life. I take pieces of your characters and apply it to my own life. And I just wanted to look at you all and say I love you and thank you
2: by by being by being here you are giving back to us Next question
1: Hey everybody I'm Kelly and I want to follow up and say thank you seriously for helping us Experience this in a new way. I think we're all learning a lot and it's making this really special for us and making this show Become even bigger for me personally than it even was before so thank you. My question is for each of you Who do you want to see die next? Yes? This is one of my questions. I love it Melisandre
6: I don't think I need to elaborate.
7: (laughs) I want that bastard dead. (laughs) Again. Not really, I think he's great.
3: (laughs) I think Robin should go.
2: (laughs) I'd like Ben's the horse who carried me into battle. I'd like him to die a beautiful, peaceful death in his stable of old age. And to get a beautiful state burial in Highgarden. <laughs>
4: oh, I love uh, I, I don't. Ha- I, I'm not going to go down the path of saying who I want to die, but I think what's really exciting about the next season is that there will be characters pitted against each other, where we will really struggle to go, do we really want them to die, or the other person to die? I think that is the exciting thing, is that it's going to be really, really high stakes, and that's exciting.
8: Amy? I think, um, well, I think probably the next character who deserves to die would be Cersei, but without Cersei, (laughs) but, but, but without Cersei, the show's just not going to be the same because she's such a force of evil and you need that. It's just going to, I mean, it's, it's never going to be a boring show, but it will be duller, I think. No, not really, but, you know, I think she deserves to go next. <laughs> 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 and,
1: uh, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Sam?
2: Oh,
5: um, I kind of want one of the dragons to die so that they can be turned into a white walker dragon.
1: Thank you.
0: All right, next question.
9: Well, everyone has already thanked you, so I'm gonna get right to it, and I really hope I don't butcher your name. I don't want to call you Ramsey. Ewan? It's
7: pretty good, yeah. All
9: right. <laughs> so, we've had this debate,
6: um, we've had I this I need debate. to
9: know, what did it mean when, um, in. The final in that the episode Battle of the Bastards. What did it mean when you told Sansa, Sansa, they'll always be a part of me inside of you? So. Uh,
7: I don't think that's I think that's misquoted. Um, no, it stop, is not. I think it's what you wanted to hear, and I know what you want me to say.
9: I, I don't want Sansa knocked up with your bastard.
7: I know, but it's. Got <laughs> and also, tangibly, wouldn't be a bastard because she was married to me. So anyway, um, it would be a oh.
9: um,
7: no. Um, it, I think what the character meant was that he'd left an imprint on her forever, yeah. and that she would never be the same again because what he'd done to her. And that's what—that's the kind of sick person he is. He likes to feel the power that he has over people, like he did, what he did to Reek. I don't think um, there's. I don't. I, I. I personally didn't read any more into it than that, and I don't think it was meant to. Suggest that she's pregnant.
9: Okay. Just it, it seemed towards the and end. And also how the hell
7: would season, Ramsey know sitting in that coming, chair? Well,
9: I mean because all Ramsey did was keep her locked up and have sex yeah. with her. He's
7: not you know, I mean I hear dolphins can use sonar and see inside <laughs> But I, I don't think Ramsey but, can.
9: I mean you all did such an incredible job, especially that um, The three of you that are sitting here from season one if it weren't for you guys the seasons would not have been renewed I mean it was it blows my mind that HBO was even close to considering you know canning this whole thing and I'm so glad that they didn't because I, I, I I'm a book fan I started with the books and I, I love the books I love the author he's he's a god to me but the show I have enjoyed, Equally as much, and in completely different ways. And um, you guys should all just really—that—that's something to be proud of. Thank you. For-
3: Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much.
0: Next question.
1: Uh, my, mine's also for you, but it's just—it's kind of dumb and weird. Um, so we have to keep the death theme. We have a five-person snooker death match. It's you, Michael, Alfie. Ooh, who are the other two? You, my the old Kit, and randomly a neuron is there too. Who wins? That person does it. That's the only person that lives, and why?
7: Well, in a big fight between all them. Yeah,
1: no, no, no. In uh, in you playing snooker slash pool, who wins? Oh,
7: who and, wins but in the, but the pool? First,
1: yeah, who wins in the pool? Well,
7: I'm eyes? gonna say me, aren't all I? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, it, it's actually sort of you know sometimes other people win, but it's it's mostly me. All right. And and, and I can say that because they're not here to. to yeah contradict me so yeah In facts sometimes I let them win
0: we have time for two more questions
5: Sirio, every time we head east I wish I could see your face man I miss you so much on the show shout out to that way um, I want to ask though we had the dragons and the language people on the stage earlier said that they put a personal part of themselves in the characters they play or the parts they show what do you guys bring on a personal side to the role
3: I don't know if I want to reveal that bit of me or you'll not ever speak to me again, no.
2: I, I just utilised my immense wealth. <laughs> That's excellent. Oh my
4: gosh. I can say that, um, basically, me, uh, my portrayal, at least my, the, the voice that I created... Well, it wasn't a creation. I basically was doing an impersonation of my dad. So I bet that's as close as it comes to something that is inside me.
8: Well, I was, I was very young when I started the show. I was 11 when I did the pilot. And I was basically a little girl getting to play a princess, which is kind of every little girl's dream. Um, so I was basically just having the time of my life. And I, I mean, she was a young, sweet girl. I'm not saying that I'm sweet, but... Um, just trying to do your best and that was yeah i think that she was quite i think carrie would probably say the same thing because we were both quite young vulnerable characters and we were very young when we started in the show and so it, it was quite
6: easy to connect yeah it was kind of just like a thing of i mean the characters they were just kind of very sweet smiley um never really you know never really i mean the thing with the shireen is she was just very um she never had a burden she never had like um, she always saw the good in people, and I just, I mean, I'd like to think that that's how I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there wasn't, really much, there wasn't really much thought behind it for me, because, you know, I mean, I was 12. It's not really mu- something you do, you kind
1: of just wing it at 12 and hope for the best. <laughs>
6: 12-year-olds
8: are excellent actors. Yes.
1: For you, yes. for uh, yeah. Anne, this was basically an autobiographical performance, right? <laughs> this is basically you on screen as Ramsey? Yeah,
7: I mean, yeah, they had to tone it down a bit. Oh. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it would have been too much. Right. Yeah.
0: Sam, <laughs> so any, any further thoughts? Or?
5: Well, I think Hodor, as a character, has just so much heart he's just such a, it's such a joy especially I'd just come off filming Leatherface where I was slashing people to death and strangling orderlies so to be able to share this part a Christian where he's just, he doesn't have a bad bone in his body he's just this joyful he's, he's, he's who I want, he's who everyone wants to be ideally so I guess that was quite fun to play and quite a nice thing to be able to do I
2: guess All right. thank you
1: Okay, so I'm um, recording live, and you have some fans, even, that want to know um, if you got your inspiration from Ramsay, uh, for Ramsey from The Joker and uh, for Militos. I'm wondering what happened to you as the uh, First sort of Bravos to actually not be the First sort of Bravos, which would send you to King's Landing?
4: Holy moly, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You go first. <laughs>
7: Thank you it. need
3: time to think.
7: <laughs> um, i forgot the question. Uh,
1: inspired by the Joker, the Joker, the Joker. Oh yeah, there was
7: a bit of that in there. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, I, I, well, that was the initial uh, thought because, because of the, his sort of how a maniac he is and uh, unpredictable. So I like that element that Heath Ledger did so well. And then I got the walk from Liam Gallagher, and his mischievous side from Dennis the Menace.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
5: Wonderful.
7: And that's the truth. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yes. uh, just to
4: answer it briefly, because it, I mean I have thought about it um, in the past, but it's, I, th- I find it fascinating. Like, is he still the first sort of Bravos who just gets to? But I don't think he is. I think he's he's ret- In the books, he's much older than I was when I when, when we when we played him. And um, like
2: hundreds of years.
4: And so and so the the idea is that I r- imagine. Uh, George, George's uh, uh, initial idea was that he was, he was retired. But I don't know if you retire from being the first sort of bravos. I feel like it's something you do for, I don't know. Basically, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, all right, we do have time for one last question. Thank you so much. One last question. Make it a good one. Hi, my name is Steven Stark. Uh, you Did are you all... say Stephen Stark? Yes, sir. In real life. Excellent. In real life. Uh, my question is for all of you. You're all obviously great actors, but if you were terrible actors, what would you be doing? <laughs> <laughs> if you're signing
3: on at the welfare centre, basically. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's the question: What would our other job be? Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
3: Oh, what other type
6: of thing would you be doing
2: Yeah, if in you life? couldn't act, yeah.
6: I'm 18. I have no idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm 60. I've got no idea. <laughs>
3: I'm really interested in photography, yeah. and it's something that I would like to uh, learn more about. So, I've been thinking about doing like a course or an evening class or something about photography because I know nothing about it, but I'm fascinated. Um, And I was thinking, what can I do if this, what can I do if it dries out? And I think, oh, maybe I could try and become, like, a set photographer, like, in film sets or something, so...
2: That that sounds like you want to be an actor.
3: Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) I've wanted to act since I was ten years old, and that's what I was doing, and I didn't move from the path, so it's hard to think up other things.
2: I'd have a much more steady job altogether. I'd be a musician. What, what, intru-
0: <laughs> what instrument would you play?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm one of these poor sad saps who plays lots of things, but none of them terribly well. Um,
0: I've heard you sing. You're great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if, if I were going to be a professional musician, I'd pick one of them and work harder at it. Yeah.
6: This question's actually always been in the back of my mind, because obviously, as an 18-year-old, it's like, well, what if this doesn't happen? This, what if this doesn't... What if when? Because, you know, it's quite hard to do that transition from at from child to adult and you know I still I'm still not doing that because I look about five so I'm still playing children and um, Yeah, I know I've always had it in the back of my mind because I'm thinking when I reach a point Where I can't play children anymore That may not work. I may not be able to carry on and um, I Think if that if, if that was the case, then I would always do I think I would definitely stay in the industry I think it would definitely be the. I mean, I've always said about I've always wanted to open my own drama school because that was something that I really struggled with, was finding a school, was finding schools that would accommodate, um, like, you know, accommodate uh, people that wanted to do what I wanted to do. Either that or, um, you know, just, I think, I I don't know. (laughs) It would probably be to go to drama school or um, it would be, I'd actually probably end up going to university, which is something that I'm not going to do anymore because of acting. I'd probably study something at uni which would be completely different. Yeah, absolutely no idea.
0: Any uh, closing thoughts, Sam, and you,
5: Anne? Um, Well, I've got into politics quite a lot recently, I think, without getting all cheesy and deep. I think there's a lot of issues socially at the moment that are quite present in the political sphere and sort of socially and things that are happening all across the world. I'd I'd probably try and do something around there.
1: You're saying Hodor for prime minister.
7: (laughs) Yeah. I think I'd quite like to be a musician as well. But um, if that didn't work as well, then I, like, I really like nature and animals and stuff. So maybe I, maybe I could be the next David Attenborough. I'd be very happy with that.
0: Well, all of your characters are dead except maybe Sirio. Uh, but, you know, there is a saying on the Iron Islands, what is dead may never die... We are so grateful that all of you have come here today to share your insights with this crowd. Please, everyone, give our panel a round of applause. Thank you, thank you.